Welcome back, everybody. This is Dan Trottencheck, and you're listening to the Taking Care of Business podcast. And our guest today is someone who probably a lot of the listeners know. It's Jeff Lynch, who's the president of Lancaster. And Jeff's going to talk to us about everything that's kind of going on in that paint side of the industry, what we're seeing, what the trends have been, where we're headed, um, kind of what the hot, hot topics are right now with paint and decorating retailers, and, and, and really just get us caught up on such, such an important uh, category for the home improvement industry. And, 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 you know, oftentimes we talk a lot about home improvement under this big umbrella and, and paint and, and, and decor certainly fit into that. But we've seen some different kind of pace of trends between hardware and the paint side of the industry over the last couple of years. And so we'll touch on those things and, and talk about all things that are emerging in the, in the paint and uh, sundry segment. So just hang with us after this quick word from our sponsor and we'll be back to talk to Jeff. The North American Hardware and Paint Association has been recognizing rising talent through the Young Retailer of the Year Awards program for 26 years. You're invited to celebrate the 2022 Young Retailer of the Year honorees in a virtual celebration of their successes and the future of the industry, broadcasting on Wednesday, July 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Register to attend at yournhpa.org slash Y-R-O-T-Y. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the Taking Care of Business podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you for taking some time to appear on the program. Well, Dan, it's great to be here. I know it took us a while to, to get this <laughs> set up and uh, make it happen, but uh, it is my pleasure to be here talking with you today. Well, thank you. Yeah, I remember, I think we talked about it a couple of times, but then in earnest, I think it was back at, at an industry meeting in like November or December where we said, oh, we got to do this. Let's get it scheduled. And here we are halfway through 2022. And we finally we finally were able to get your agent and my agent in connection with each other and, and, and make this possible. So, so. I, I think it's like everything. Time is going so fast, right? I mean, oh six months seems like a month right now. So I, I, I I can't believe it that we're actually here talking about uh, you know the back half of the year and we're and and I'm as I'm sure you guys are starting to plan for 2023 and and, and everything that's that's coming uh, uh, down the pipe quicker than we think. But Jeff, before we kind of get into our discussion, would you mind taking a minute? And, and just telling everybody, you, you have an extensive background in the industry, but for the, those listeners who might not be familiar with you or familiar with Lancaster, if you could just take a minute and tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit more about Lancaster and, and what you guys do there. Sure, absolutely. Well, I'll start with my background. I actually started in the, the retail uh, paint uh, business back in 1983, I actually managed a pretty large paint department for a regional lumber chain. Uh, okay. Then in 1986, I went to work for a wholesale paint center distributor, very similar to Lancaster in its okay. business model. That company was GMG Paint Distributors. And uh, over the following 16 years, uh, you know, I started in sales, uh, worked, my way up to, worked my way up to VP of sales and marketing. And then in 2002, Dan, I kind of wanted to see what the rest of the industry was like. I kind of grew yeah. up in distribution, um, you know, working for a manual manufacturer kind of looked interesting. And I went ahead and went to work for a company called Geico Western, which I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners sure. are familiar with. They wanted to 
um, take their retail products across the country. And I was actually fortunate fortunate enough to work with the Lancaster team when I did that. Hmm. Uh, so I did that for three years. I was then coached back to uh, GMG. And then a couple of years later, we were acquired by Lancaster. That would have been in 2007. And then shortly afterwards, I took the position of VP of marketing and uh, moved my family from uh, California to South Carolina. And Dan, that could be its own podcast at some time, just, just so you'll I, know. <laughs> having been a guy from that moved from California to Indianapolis, yeah, I think we could join up and do a co-host that podcast. <laughs> There's a lot of stories there, no doubt about it. So, And then real quick to wrap this up, in uh, 2010, I took over the sales side of the company also. And then in 2020, uh, I was offered the position of president. And uh, so I accepted that right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. So uh, talk about timing. But I've got an amazing team across the uh, company, a great management team that I have the privilege to work with. So although it's been challenging, uh, it's been a lot of fun. So just to recap Lancaster, I, I'm, again, I'm sure most of your listeners are fa- fairly familiar yeah. with us, but you know we are the late, largest paint center distributor in North America. Our core customer is the paint store, um, mm-hmm. but we also sell to lumber yards, uh, hardware right. stores, building supply, especially those with a robust paint department. Um, you know, kind of that store within a store concept. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing more of that trend moving forward. Um, we ship to about 11,000 ship to locations between okay. the United States and Canada. And we do that out of seven distribution centers, six in the States, one in Canada. Uh, we offer about 13,000 products um, uh, out of those distribution centers. And we deliver uh, to dealers that, that represent about 80% of the population. So we've got a really good national reach uh, with our current model. Yeah. And again, like I said, I, I always I always like to cover that territory. But what, what my guess is most of our most of our listeners are familiar with 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 uh, who you guys are and what you do. But to kind of add on uh, to that, what what do you think or how do you see that Lancaster is kind of where, where do you guys kind of fit in the industry and how has that maybe changed a little bit in the last couple of years? Do you see that role, uh, the, the, the demands of your customers changing or what what they need? from you changing? What what do you guys do to really kind of add value into that equation? Yeah, well, first off, we see ourselves, Dan, it really is a critical link between the vendor and the customer. You know, we are unique because of our size and our reach being, you know, really focused on paint sundry. So we are kind of a, a different animal, if you will. But, you know, we, you know, we feel our goal is to, um, you know, first of all, starting on the vendor side, you know, we we want to be a great partner. We never want to be um, an obstacle for a vendor to get product to market. You know, we want to yeah. expose as many products as we can uh, to our dealer base. So, you know, if you look at um, our inventory position and our product breadth on most of our major vendors, um, they're one of the, the largest in the industry. And we think that's really important. Um, on the customer side, you know, what the pandemic has showed us is, you know, everything is speed to market now, right? Yeah. Um, so anytime that you can put an order in by 10 o'clock, uh, ship it out same day and have it delivered the following day, uh, because that's what's changed, right? Um, yeah. You know, if you were to ask what's the biggest change in the industry, 
or the most permanent change, I would say it's the consumer's buying habits, right? Um, you know, a lot has moved online. I think that's, that change is here to stay. I don't think that one's going to go back uh, to what it was uh, pre-pandemic. And it's really what the consumers are demanding now. Um, you know, it used to be they hoped you had the product. Uh, now that they demand that you do or that you can get it to them fairly fairly quickly. So, um, you know, we always say we want to deliver the right product um, at the right price at the right time. Uh, that sounds pretty simple on the surface, but um, uh, it's a uh, there's a lot of work to make that happen. And that was even uh, more the case uh, during the pandemic. So, uh, you know, we really want to smooth out that process, make it transparent, make it quick, um, free up the dealer to spend more time on growing their business instead of worrying about how do I get product or how do I get a specific product? You know, we want to take uh, all the friction out of that and, you know, again, free up a, a, a dealer to, to concentrate more on their business. Yeah. And I want to I, I want to come back in a minute here and talk about supply chain and and some of the challenges everybody has faced. Um, yeah. And some of them. And, and, and again, we'll get back to this. But but the the, the paint industry, I mean, certainly on the coatings side has been has been really uh, let's just say challenged by uh, not only supply chain, but raw materials and so on. But before we get into that, um, yeah. I want to talk about some of the some of the positives. Um, mm -hmm. And and the last couple of years uh, for most organizations in the home improvement industry, um, they have been very challenging to say the least, but they've also been kind of rife with opportunities. And, and so from your perspective, I'm just kind of wondering, what do you guys see? What do you identify right now as some of the biggest opportunities to paint retailers for paint retailers in this kind of unique market we're in? Yeah, I think, you know, there's always opportunity for dealers that are in a growth mode, right? I think they're yeah. the ones that probably were doing the best before the pandemic, did the best during the pandemic. And, you know, if the economy is going to do what all of us are kind of afraid it's going to do, um, you know, we feel that now's the, the, the best time to step on the gas and, and look at growth opportunities. So, you know, most dealers are coming off two of their best years that they've had uh, maybe in the history of their companies. Uh, they're probably in... Uh, their best cash position that they've been a while in in a while. Um, but I also think it's important that, you know, they take a step back and analyze what really happened, meaning yeah. dollars may be up, uh, but did they grow market share? Did they move more units? Right. right. Um, and I would I would hazard the guess that most did. So now the dealers are in this great place where they're sitting financially in a very comfortable spot. Um, they've picked up market share. They've picked up new customers. The thing I find exciting is they've exposed themselves to new products. They've exposed their customers to yeah. new products. And, you know, you know, the independent dealer has this ability to turn on a dime, reinvent themselves and, and go after these things. So uh, I think the key is having a growth plan. And, you know, research has always shown that, you know, customers that spend more dollars in growth initiatives are going to do better than their peers. And I think that's going to be uh, more applicable now than, than ever before. But if you're asking me, what do we think is the number one opportunity? Um, and I know we're going to talk more about this. We think it's e-commerce. We think yeah. that's the biggest opportunity for, for paint dealers of all sizes right now. 
Well, you know, and it's interesting, and I think that 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 certainly um, is in line with what I'm about to say. But, you know, I had someone the other day, I was talking to a retailer and they said, you know, one of the biggest kind of um, opportunities we think we've been given is is for a variety of reasons over the last couple of years. And our, our research uh, supports this, that they feel this this individual is saying that, you know, we feel that we've been able to, as you said, we've been exposed to a lot of customers who maybe had just shopped at a big box or something before, but because of whether it was, you know, COVID related concerns or convenience or not being able to find the products they needed, that independent operators have had a lot more opportunity to say, oh, I'm dealing with customers that I maybe didn't deal with before. And 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 his point was that our that, that's a great gift we've been given. And now yeah. our real challenge is showing those customers who are new to us why they need to continue coming back to us. And, and so, uh, you know, now is the time for the independent to shine. But one of those things that you touched on was, you know, like it or not, a lot of the larger um, chain operations and, and just beyond even this industry, customers have been have been familiarized with the ability to interact however they want with their retailers of choice. And obviously, during the last two years, electronically, digitally has been one of those main things. I mean, uh, you know, just all of us should think about what kind of companies are we interacting right now with a digital fashion that we didn't necessarily interact that way two years ago. And I think we would yeah. all say in our personal lives that, yeah, we're whether it's whether it's ordering DoorDash or Instacart or or just going online to see what products a retailer has before you go out there. I think everybody finds themselves interacting in that way. So how I mean, I think going into this, though, the conventional logic was, well, that's fine if you're buying a pair of jeans or a or a uh, you know a, a, a telephone or a, you know mobile phone, but 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 no one's going to look for paint sundries and paint and home improvement products online. But but obviously, you guys have a little bit different take on that. So why don't we just dive into that? What what do you see going on in the impact of kind of digital online omnichannel, whatever you want to call it, uh, on on that specifically this industry? Yeah, I'd like to go back real quick, though, because, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, what the dealers were able to do for their customers, you know, during the pandemic, you know, um, the dealers were going through everything, right? You know, are we going to stay in business? What's going to happen here? Uh, but, you know, I, Dan, I've heard you use the term resilient um, when we talk about the dealer base. And I think that's a that, that's that's a great word. I mean, what they did to keep the lights on and to, to service their customers. And I think the great thing about that is uh, I think it solidified their existing customers. Um, I also think it showed new customers, um, you know, what a progressive um a dealer can do. Um, I don't know if it's a good example, but, um, you know, during the pandemic, when, you know, in May of 2020, when everything was shut down, you know, we had a, uh, a cafe near our house in walking distance um, that the owner decided he was going to stay open and he was going to yeah. at least allow people to pick up, uh, you know, something to eat curbside. And he sat out, 
you know, chairs that you could go sit outside, wait for your order, and he'd serve you drinks when you came outside. Uh, but the the thing I remember the most is when he handed you your order, you also got a roll of toilet paper with it. And at that time, it was like somebody handing you a bar of gold, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> now, now, I'll admit, by the time I paid my tip, those were the most expensive hamburgers I probably uh, ever <laughs> Yeah. But my point is, you know, when I look back, um, that had an impression on me. You know, here is a customer, uh, I mean, a, 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 a business that's doing whatever they can to service their customers and also, you know, to stay in business. Um, but those are fond memories. And I think, you know, sure. everyone's going to come out of this thing uh, the same way. Now, that's the, the beauty of a brick and mortar, what they bring to the table. However, what's changed, and you had mentioned this, is... People want to see what you have in the store before they come yeah. into your store. Yeah. And to me, that's even more important right now than conducting e-commerce, you know, uh, you know, across the web to, to different areas of the country. Because when someone gets up on a Saturday morning and they've got a project to do and they know specifically, you know, especially a high ticket item that they need to go buy, um, you know, they're going to go online or they're going to grab their mobile phone and they're going to go, where is it? Um, and, you know, and if they have the ability to reserve it and go pick it up, great. But to me, that's probably the most important part right now for yeah. our dealers uh, to start looking at. And, you know, the dealers right now in our industry, well, I think overall our industry is a little behind compared to other industries when it comes right. to e-commerce and what, what's happening online. And on the independent dealer side, I think they're, they're, really in a broad spectrum as far as where they stand. Um, you know, some dealers, I think there's less of these now that would say, you know, I don't need to be online. Um, yeah. Still some, but there was a lot more two years ago than there is now. Right. I think there's some that go, you know, this is technology. It's kind of scary. Um, I'm not sure about it. Um, and then I think there's that element that, you know, a lot of our dealers are servicing their customers at such a high level do they want to go into something that maybe they're not that good at right now? And our stance on that is now's the best time to do it, right? Nobody's, um, everyone's suffering from supply chain. No one's doing everything perfectly. And, you know, we really agree with the term fail fast, right? We think the, mm -hmm. the best way to, to get into e-commerce is just to get into e-commerce and start working through it. But um, I wouldn't go as far as to say, you know, a dealer has to do, uh, transaction online. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's, I would go far down that road, but I do know that they need to have an online presence and they need to be showing what they have in their stores. Yeah. You know, and it, this goes back to prior to the pandemic, but my kind of, um, argument with retailers was go as far as you can, as fast as you can. And, and saying go as far as you can, it doesn't mean that you need to offer 65,000 SKUs and, and have, have real time, you know, shelf quantities available and offer buy online, pick up and store, deliver to home, all that kind of stuff. But how far can you go with, with your comfort level? And, and that should be somewhere along that spectrum because and I'll be honest with you, Jeff, I don't think that right now in our industry, home improvement, anybody has got e-commerce figured out. Uh, I mean, I think even when you look at a lot of the big players in the industry, they, they do a good job with it, but they don't have it figured out. I mean, and and I, I think, you know, and I've given talks about this before, that the truth is, 
that if you asked me as a home improvement shopper, a home improvement customer, I'd say that some of the independents that I've come across online have actually got it figured out better than some of the big companies do. But I think even they, they would tell you, we've got a long way to go. So I think you're spot on when you say, you know, you got to jump into the pool if you're going to swim. And and now is a good time to jump into the to that pool. But I guess my next question would be, what can the rest of the industry do? What, what, what can Lancaster do? What can the vendors do? What can our organization do to, to make that dive into the pool a little less shocking or, or, or the potential a, a little bit more successful? Maybe what, what are your thoughts on that? And what are you guys doing in that, in that yeah. area to, to, to kind of get, get, get retailers to the point where they can swim? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I would start if I was recommending to a dealer right now, I would start with buy online, pick up in store, right? You're controlling the inventory. You're not having to worry about shipping it across the country. Um, You know, that's just a natural fit to an existing uh, business model. So I think that's definitely uh, the first place to start. Um, Dan, we talked about this last time we talked, and that is, I think, and I've been guilty of this. I think a lot of people have been guilty of it, is making it sound so easy, right? You hear so much talk about, oh, yeah, you need to get online and, you know, e-commerce, you need to, but no one's no one's digging deeper in that to go, well, how do you do it to your point? Um, so, you know, some of the things that, you know, we're solving and, and we've been doing to consumer fulfillment for our customers for a long time. Uh, we do have a lot of dealers that really have a robust business online and they've been doing it for a long time. So it does take time, you know, to ramp up and, and, and get good at it. So, you know, the first thing is the data, right? Um, yeah. You know, I said, that earlier, we have 13,000 SKUs. Well, you know, for a dealer to, to go out and get that data themselves, that's a challenge. And not only does it got to be accurate data, you know, there's one thing to have data for your, your POS system. It's another thing to have marketing data, right? That's robust enough uh, to do, do commerce online. So we, we have all of that data and we have a, we have a three full, three full-time person team that, 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 that handles that data. But then the biggest part, Dan, that we think is the fulfillment side, right? You know, once you decide to go online, once you decide that you do want to start doing to consumer, now yeah. you've got to decide how do I get the product to that customer? And that's where, you know, uh, we come in uh, and there's other, obviously, Companies in the industry doing it, do it best does, Ace does it. Um, and that's where we think the biggest opportunity is because even though, you know, buy online, pick up in store, um, is a great option. It's a small percentage of yeah. the, the commerce that's, that's being done online. And so we're working at, uh, and really now we see this need to, to really formalize our program. But, uh, what that means is, you know, we're going to make it turnkey for the dealer to go, listen, these are the stuff that, uh, we recommend you sell online. Obviously, a lot of that's going to be stuff that you can ship parcel. There's going to be stuff that we go, you want to stay away from this, um, which yeah. is going to be the, you know, five gallon container joint compound that's cheap and heavy and, you know, solvents and all that other stuff. Um, and then the other thing too is, um, You've got to worry about regulations, right? If you're a, a dealer in South Carolina and you're now shipping something to uh, to, a, to a consumer in California, you need to know, is that legal to sell in California? Yeah. Um, you also need to charge a paint care fee um, if you're shipping it in California. So um, so we're working on all, all those things to make it turnkey 
for the dealer. Um, you know, and on a global standpoint, we're also looking at our inventory across our DCs. You know, over the near future, we uh, our customers will see more like products across our six DCs than there currently are now. And that'll make it easier for a dealer to conduct business online. Okay. Well, you know, and I, I, as we're talking about where we are and getting involved, I think another important reason to encourage retailers to get involved in this is because of where we're heading, you you know, and I I remember, and I think you and I talked about this uh, uh, prior to the pandemic. I I distinctly remember I was giving a a presentation at at an event and I was talking about competing with Amazon. And after the event, one of the retailers came up to me and said, I understand what you're saying, but my customers don't want me to have a website, you, you, you know, and and, right. and I kind of I was a little taken aback by this. And I said, well, you know, you, you might be really unique in, in your area and so on. And they're like, yeah, you don't understand my customers. And But then I started thinking it's one of those times when, you know, you, you have a conversation as soon as you walk away. You say, oh, I wish I would have said that. And, and, and what I was thinking is like, well, that's what your current customers are telling you. But what about the people who aren't your customers? And maybe a good reason they aren't your customers is because you don't offer those kind of capabilities. And I can't help but sit here and think for all those people that are saying, and this is probably more true on the, on the, on the strict kind of like paint store side that yeah. so much of the business comes from, well, I deal with contractors. They don't want to buy stuff online. And, and that even starts to, to, you know, make me laugh in sort of a anxious kind of way about <laughs> maybe they don't today, but I guarantee you if any, it, I mean, from a, from an area of the business where people are trying to find efficiencies and trying to, how, how, how much of an efficiency could you have if a painting contractor could sit there the night before he goes to a job and say, these are the products I want and I want them delivered tomorrow morning to my job site. Yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be if it's not already happening, it's got to be right around the corner. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Dan, that that's where it's heading. Um, you know, and I would even encourage, you know, dealers that that have that stance right now to go. All right. Well, then let's start with the customers you have. Right. Yeah. How do you augment what you what you're able to offer now? Uh, and you hit on it. You know, why not, you know, uh, send something directly to a site if they need it? Um, and, and it doesn't matter how you get the order, right? You don't need to even get that order online. It could be someone picking up the phone and going, yeah, we can get this to you. Tell me where you want to ship it. Um, so I right. think they really need to start thinking about that because that's where everything is trending directly to consumer. Um, and to be totally candid, there's also a trust factor also. You know, there's yeah. dealers that are concerned to go, oh, you're going to know who my customer is. And my response to that is everybody knows who your customer is and everybody can find out. Um, and if you're not doing it, some somebody else is going to do it. It, it. It's definitely where where it's trending. So I say start with what you have. Um, start thinking in terms of how do I make it easier for my customers to get product. Um, you know, another advantage is big ticket items. If a you know painting contractor says, man, I need, I need a paint sprayer tomorrow. Uh, can you get it to me? Uh, yeah, just tell me where you need me to ship it. So yeah. this, you know, the, the concept of bringing big orders in uh, just for someone to come pick them back up and put them back on a, on a truck, that's getting antiquated. Now, it'll always be there. I think that's what's sure. great about you know the, the the paint industry is um, because of the the goods and services um, it benefits brick and mortar no doubt about it and will for years to come so 
Well, and I think you you, you hit on a very important point here. I mean, I, you and I have both been around long enough in the industry to I remember when there were arguments about things like accepting credit cards. And, right. and right. you know, and the discussion was, well, you, you don't want to, you know, earlier when you're talking about Lancaster, you said we want to remove friction. And, yeah. and that's and that's the point of, you know, of course you want it. You want a customer to be able to pay for stuff however they want to pay you for that exactly. stuff. Exactly. And, and it's the same way when we're talking about online here is why would you create or want to create any barrier? And 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 I, and, and I can't imagine with the world we live in when when excuse what I'm about to say, but when old guys <laughs> like you and me are buying stuff online and shopping online, uh, that, that everybody else isn't doing that as well. And you might not have it. You might not think your customers want it, but the reality is everybody's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're absolutely you're right. And, and I always go step back and look at your personal life. Right. I mean, yeah. um, you know, I, you know, people don't like to hear it sometimes, but I think we get an Amazon box at our house almost every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's the way um, you know, especially the younger generation. I mean, they're just not stepping into stores anymore. I mean, I know right. we'd love them to, but um, that's not going to happen. But on the other hand, I agree, no one's going to out Amazon, Amazon. Yeah. But there's still some things um, that the independent paint dealer can do, and that's that in-store experience. And then just layering on this whole e-commerce on top of it, uh, that is something that Amazon cannot compete with. And I don't think the the customer, you know, once you're online, it doesn't, they don't care where you're at, right? They're, they, they just want to be able to get the product. On the other hand, I think, you know, it would be cool in our industry to see more influencers. You know, I go on YouTube a lot and you'll see someone that, you know, for example, is an expert at auto detailing, right? Next thing you know, they're reviewing different products about auto detailing. And before you know it, they've opened a business selling, you know, auto detailing supply. So I think even on the independent side, I think there's a chance for dealers to be influencers, either in their local community or even nationwide. Um, I, I really do. I think there's just a lot of opportunity out there because of this whole digital factor. Well, and, and I 100% I, I agree with you. And it's one of the reasons why I'm trying to take the position. And I think our organization is, is quit. Independents need to quit just saying, how can I be more like Amazon or how can I? Because the truth is, for all the reasons you just said, Jeff, independent retailers can be better positioned because of all this. And they don't want to be like Amazon. They, you know, just what you said, having influencers, having social media reach that really talks to your specific market, having a, yeah. having the ability to have a brick and mortar location and be able to service people digitally. I mean, that's the best of all worlds. And that's better than what Amazon can offer. So, yeah, you know, to, to, to put a bow on it, dive into that digital pool and do it now. <laughs> right. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, about Amazon, uh, Dan, is, you know, there's this perception that Amazon has everything, right? That Amazon is selling everything. And that's really not the case. I would encourage no. dealers to go online and really look. There's a lot of stuff you can't get on Amazon. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff you can get on Amazon it's not Amazon selling it. It's a right. third party. A lot of them are our dealers that are selling yeah. product on Amazon. So, um, you know, even though Amazon is the the big enemy gorilla, it's a great platform 
for dealers to sell online. It it allows them reach. So it, it really is an unlimited frontier, no doubt about it. Well, and I always encourage people when I when I when I talk to them about developing strategy is start with your legal pad. It doesn't need to be complicated. (laughs) Sit down and say, what are the things that I can do that add value to my customers and 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 write them down on a legal pad, then take each one of those and flip to the next page and say, okay, I want to get into e-commerce and and digital interactions. What do I need to do? Then find these partners like Lancaster that can help you do that. You don't have to do it by yourself. Partner with the people that can that, that can do some of that heavy lifting while you just really concentrate on how do I make this fit in with my brand and what I want to offer my customers. And 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 so it doesn't need, I mean, and again, you're absolutely right. We don't you and I can sit here and say, oh, it's easy, it's easy, but it's not easy. Right. But it also right. doesn't have to be as difficult as people I think envision in in their minds. Yeah. 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 I agree. Again, I I would encourage everybody to just start, start somewhere um, and and then, and then grow it from there. But, you know, back to, you know, what we were talking about, you know, you still have the, you know, the in-store experience. I mean, we're seeing this even on our side, Dan, when it comes to virtual, right? Um, You know, we've had virtual shows. We're, we're, we're happy to announce we're going to be getting back to a physical show uh, first part of next year. And it's really that defining line between, you know, there's there's online buying and then right. there's online shopping um, and yeah. online shopping is not that good right now. Um, online buying, um, it, that's what it, yeah. it really smooths out that transition. And what the brick and mortar dealer has over online is that shopping experience. And, you know, I think I mentioned this last time. I think dealers, again, they need to take a step back because, you know, a typical dealer is not competing against a like dealer on the other side of town. Right. They're competing with the last shopping experience that their customer had. And that could be at a grocery store. That could be at a you know a hardware store. Um, and it could be online. And that's the way I think we need to start thinking to go, how do we enhance that experience? Uh, but again, brick and mortar's got a leg up on online that they just they just can't replicate it. Yeah. And, and and they need to take advantage of those opportunities. But shifting gears here for a second, yeah. Jeff, I, I would be uh, I'd be run out of town if I had a, a distribution executive on my on my podcast and I didn't ask some questions about supply chain. Sure. <laughs> so so let's talk a little bit about that. Obviously, we've seen and and I should have a jar on my desk that every time I use the term unprecedented, I got to put a dollar in. But but we've really seen unprecedented um, impact on the supply chain in the last couple of years. It kind of as an update from you as a distribution executive, where do we stand with that right now? Where do you see that headed in the near future? Yeah, I, I'll start with saying it's getting better, right? I think overall it has improved, but you know we're we're definitely not out of the woods yet. I mean, this will have a long tail. And I, I heard someone use the term at one point. It's kind of like playing whack a mole, right? Once <laughs> yeah. you think, oh, this got taken care of, something else pops up again. So you got you know resins and raw material and packaging and labor shortage and transportation. So you know I think it's still going to go 
well into next year until this gets back to normal, no doubt about it. Um, and a lot of it's not tied to, you know, um, the resins and, you know, the stuff I just mentioned. A lot of it's just there's still a lot of pent up demand that we're yeah, just trying yeah. to keep up with that. And and, and that's a good thing. Right. So. Um, so, but we do see that this is this is going to continue a while. Um, I think the communication has improved. I mean, we, you know, we're you know now talking to our vendors, you know, constantly, and you know, we're getting better information now to our dealers can plan, get an idea of what's going on. But um, yeah, there's still a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, imports are probably going to be the most challenging. Uh, we do import a lot of our dynamic label product, um, and I don't see that. Um, uh, improving anytime soon. Obviously, next year we'll head into Chinese New Year, and that's kind of starts the cycle all, all over again. Um, I think we're we're fortunate in this industry that you know paint is still primarily a domestic product, right? So I think that right. is that 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 has helped us, but um, but it's definitely getting better. You know, the only thing that will kind of fix it, which nobody wants, is is for the demand to to, to soften up, right? So. It's kind well, of a it, it, careful yeah, intuition, yeah. you know. <laughs> exactly, and and I, I think it, that goes right along with you know kind of other sentiments I've heard about this, and it's just kind of like write it out. Hopefully, the best is or the worst is behind us, and 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 as you said, it'll have a long tail. But hopefully, we're kind of on the down uh, slide, uh, uh, yeah, from challenges. After that, um, it, you know, as I told you before, we got on here, the time on the program goes really quick. And it, <laughs> but but just to kind of in closing, I'd like to ask you, how do you see, you know, I don't think if I was talking to you and doing this interview three years ago, we'd, we'd be talking about the same things. Yeah. But what do you see in the next couple of years, you know, putting on your kind of prognostication hat? What, what, what do you how do you see the industry evolving in the next year or two? Well, not to be repetitive. Again, I think it's the stuff that we we talked about. It is going to um, it is going to become more technology driven. Um, we're seeing, you know, for example, mobile is big. It's 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 the fastest growing way that that we're getting orders from our customers. Um, it's it's the customers are going to need to adopt it at some time at some point in right. time. Um, and I think it's going to be speed to market, right? I think the industry is going to need to continue to get efficient, take cost out of the process. Um, and get product to market at a pace that, you know, we haven't seen today. That's just going to continue. And you bring up a good point, Dan. I, you know, I'll be the first one to say, you know, we don't do everything perfectly here. We know that, you know, the distributor we were two years ago isn't the distributor we need to be today. And it's not going to be what we're going to need to be two years from now. Yeah. But I think it brings up an important thing that your organization is doing. And I think the more that we can continue to have conversations as vendors, as distributors, as buying groups, as retailers, and asking the same question to each other um, and, and, and creating these solutions together. It's kind of like the online thing right now. Dealers can't really interact because a lot of dealers aren't online. But once they start getting online and getting into the weeds, there's going to be a lot of great conversations when we all get together at future shows and, and, and physical events. So, um, And then I'm sure there's going to be a surprise that none of us see coming. So <laughs> I won't even speculate what that might be. So. Hey, let's hope it's a real big positive 
surprise that, you exactly. know, uh, <laughs> that something happens. It's just great for everybody. We've exactly. certainly had enough of the the other side of it. But, uh, yeah. you know, Jeff, I appreciate you taking the time to, to, to come on the program and we'd love to have you back. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that I, I will say, you know, to the point you just made that you and the rest of the Lancaster team, I, I will tell you, I go to a lot of industry events and Jeff and the Lancaster team are usually at all those events. And I think that the reason why is because you're one of those companies that is very willing to say, hey, we, we run a business and we are competitive as anybody, but we also are, are interested in the greater good of the industry we serve. And so you, you are always there coming together, sharing ideas, looking for that common ground. And man, man, we just need more companies to kind of take on that role and say, we're willing to, we're willing to kind of put our shingle aside right now and, and work for how we can find solutions together. So that's, that's always appreciated. And, and, and you're a great example of someone who does that actively. Well, well, Dan, I appreciate that. Like I said, we we know we're not perfect, but you know, we we do know there's a lot of things uh, we don't know what we don't know, right? Um, yeah. So I think I think the more the industry can you know take that to go, let's let's learn together, let's see what we need to do, and let's just have the dialogue, and yeah. and, and that means the the first big step. So. Well, well, again, very much appreciated, Jeff. Thank you for your time on the program, and like I said, we'd love to have you back as a regular guest to check in. Dan, it was great to be here. More than uh, uh, happy to come back. Appreciate it.